This is Binod Shankar and you're listening to the Real Finance Mentor podcast from the realfinancementor.com. The Real Finance Mentor is your go-to resource for insight and inspiration on careers in finance, CFA and more. I would think why this podcast? Well, my goal is to deliver insight and inspiration for your finance career by making it one relatable. This is not theoretical stuff. We zero in on the critical practical issues. Number 2, authentic. No bullshit, no sidestepping. The topics, guests and questions are all from that perspective. And number 3, take a chartered accountant CFA charter holder, add 17 plus years as a corporate warrior, mix in 10 years of entrepreneurship, through a decade of full-time CFA training, add speaking, mentoring, cycling and mountaineering, and that's me. Welcome to the Real Finance Mentor, or as I call it, RFM. Hi guys, this is Binod Shankar here, the Real Finance Mentor, with uh, the latest episode of the Real Finance Mentor podcast, the podcast that brings you insight and inspiration for your careers. This is the next episode, and I've got a very special guest with me today. Uh, special because he doesn't come from the field of finance or investing or stock markets, uh, unlike uh, the, the people we have on this show. But nevertheless, he will bring tremendous insight and inspiration. from a very different activity uh, let me introduce to you uh, avilash bisht avilash uh, i've known him for the last uh, what 6 years 7 years now uh, avilash grew up in a small town of pauri in in north india which offers an incredible 180 degree view of snow capped mountains of the garhwal himalaya he then went for his further studies to delhi finished his university and then started mountain guiding now avilash has been guiding trips in the himalayas since 1997 and has guided several mountaineers successfully to summits of mount satopanth mount kun kedar dome sudarshan parvat uh, bandar punch gangotri 1 um, cckn kanyatse jojongo chokkangri mentokangri kilimanjaro elbrus akankagwa and many more lesser mountains these names that i rolled out to you of course would be very familiar to experienced hikers and mountaineers and not so familiar to other people probably um he's a highly experienced climbing instructor and has designed and executed numerous outdoor training programs he's trained in mountain search and rescue and he's also led a couple of life saving rescue operations avilash is a seasoned river guide apart from being a mountaineer he's guided trips on most of the commercial multi day river runs in india including the zanskar ganga bhagirathi alaknanda tons satluj and the kali uh, avilash uh, of course had a stint in corporate life before setting up his own shop he is the co-founder and uh, he runs white magic adventures which is a new delhi based firm that specializes in mountain guiding in the himalayas uh, avilash uh, warm welcome to the podcast thank you vinod thank you so let me start from uh, something that i saw in your bio and i found very interesting because you completed your bachelor's in science in 97 from st stephen's college in delhi now i looked at the college and everyone knows this college right it's ranked 8th among colleges in india um and it's ranked second among arts colleges and third among science colleges it's also notoriously difficult to get into as it receives around 30000 applicants applicants for about 400 seats every year the incredible low admission rate of about 1.3% or something like that and alumni of this college are 
distinguished economists, CEOs, uh, scientists, mathematicians, historians, bureaucrats, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Now, my question is: with this education pedigree, I assume could have easily landed a safe, well-paying job in a plush office with a big company in India, right? What on earth convinced you to turn away from all that and focus on the very different career of mountaineering? Uh, so, uh, A, I think I was, you know, I was uh, a bit lucky uh, to get into, you know, that bigger college, you know, so I was good in academics, I could score marks, there was an interview, the interview went off well, and you know, I got in. So, uh, so that's how it is, you know, so I wasn't maybe, you know, really cut out to become, you know, one of those distinguished, you know, personalities. Uh, however, you know, when I was, you know, like, to answer your question, you know, I was actually when I was getting out of college, I wasn't really looking for a, you know, very safe, uh, you know, safe, you know, well-paying career, you know, so, so at that time, you know, I think I was really questioning myself and, you know, wanted to, you know, figure out what, what I, you know, what I should be doing. Uh, so, uh, I think in college, I used to do uh, rock climbing, you know, that's in college, we were uh, supposed to, you know, join a couple of, you know, there were clubs and societies and, you know, we were asked to every student, you know, getting admission there was asked to, you know, choose two of those, you know, and I chose hiking club uh, as, as one of the clubs and societies. And, and I started rock climbing with, you know, students from the college i was you know having grown up in the hills i was i think naturally quite good at it you know i would uh, and then we used to go for treks i found again that you know i was better than most people when you we are out trekking i was also enjoying it quite a lot mm. uh, so so for those 3 years when i was in college you know that was my hobby and which i enjoyed a lot it also i think uh, you know gave me a sort of an uh, an identity mm. i guess you know those days you know so uh so when i was passing out of college everyone those days you know was doing an mba people uh, cat used to be the popular uh, you know uh, that uh, examination for which people would appear uh, i also appeared for that exam uh, but yeah i had never you know prepared for it uh, i was just trying to buy more time because my parents kept asking me you know what next what next so uh, so i guess when i was you know, when I really had to decide, I uh, I was quite confused. And I see a lot of people, youngsters, I think it's it's quite not natural to, you know, uh, think a lot as to what you want to do. And, you know, you have so many choices. Those days, there, were, there weren't so many choices. But yeah, uh, and I really questioned myself deep within. And I was quite sure that, you know, I don't want to do a desk job. You know, my, my calling was for, you know, for being in the outdoors. Uh, was the real calling so, so i i you know i uh, i was lucky to meet an environmentalist uh, that time uh, dr shridhar uh, who runs an ngo in dehradun and uh, you know i thought uh, i'll i'll work with him you know i wanted to do some environmental science and uh, you know i thought maybe that will give me the you know chance to be out in the outdoors uh, but yeah those days then uh, you know, the NGO wasn't getting enough funding and there weren't enough projects. And, you know, again, I was kind of restricted, uh, you know, uh, to more like, uh, you know, textbook sort of a learning, not really hands-on, which I had come for. Uh, so, but I was still there. And then I was, I, I met uh, a photographer, uh, Tribhuvan Chauhan. He's, uh, he was a well-known 
photographer you know in those days of film cameras you know very popular in uttarakhand a lot of uh, big posters you know from uh, run by you know for the government tourism office you know were his photographs so he it was his passion he would go out into the you know the wild and do this landscape photography and he was showing me some prints from one of his latest trip uh, you know out in the mountains and you know and i was really you know when i looked at those pictures and i said yeah this is you know i was really craving for all that and then you know i asked he was trying to set up a a, a trekking business in those days to actually sustain his passion of uh, you know photography uh and when he told me this i just said that you know uh, can i join you and he said yeah why not uh, and i just jumped in i you know so that was just a call i think just out of the heart at that time and i didn't think too much about it i just jumped in and that's how it happened <laughs> so so abhilash i noticed that you didn't immediately start your business after graduation uh, because you worked for about 8 years with another company Uh, aquatic adventures right as a mountain and river guide and before that you were a freelance outdoor instructor and mountain guide so many of my listeners are employees in the finance sector who wish to become entrepreneurs so i have a few questions here the first question is what are the three triggers that made you switch to entrepreneurship from being an employee so uh, so i think i wasn't really ever i still am not really cut out to be uh, you know a businessman and i think if i uh, look back uh, uh, i mean there wasn't one trigger as such uh, normally people say that there is you know something happens there that you know uh, a, you know a switch gets expressed and something happens it wasn't like that uh, i uh, you know since my early days of working wherever i worked i was uh, i was always you know involved in the business uh, a lot uh, when i worked with the aquatera there also i was uh, overseeing the trekking part of the business uh, and uh, i was very much part of the uh, you could say the top management team which uh, which runs and executes uh, you know the business uh, uh, however i was never never ever i thought that i would actually start a, a business on my own it was only after working for many years uh, when i was uh, there that you know when the business was expanding it started expanding in all sorts of directions and uh, you know you being one of the senior staff you were also uh, kind of getting stressed everywhere and there were some management issues as the business was growing you know which is naturally happens everywhere and we were trying to resolve some management issues which we could not you know and then uh, finally i think the, the the most logical decision for me uh, at that stage was to you know move out of the business uh, and try and do something uh, through which i could pursue my own passion about mountaineering and fulfill those dreams right so i left my corporate life as you did as well and then started my own uh, training business right which i co-founded and led uh, but i found that my corporate life equipped me in many ways for the life of entrepreneurship so what are the top 3 benefits in terms of skills or assets like network or wealth uh, that you picked up as an employee that later helped you to start and run uh, white magic adventures uh, successfully 
I think my stint at Aquaterra wasn't really a co- sort of a corporate stint. We did do all sorts of things. So we, I was primarily a guide. Uh, and when you look at a job of a guide, you were supposed to be out in the mountains, out in the rivers. Uh, the reality is that it doesn't happen all the time. There are periods when you are not doing this activity. And what do you do then? Uh, most guides uh, I have noticed are, are quite shy. Uh, they don't want to do. They are very comfortable in their own zone about guiding, uh, which is great. Uh, but for me, I uh, whenever I didn't have enough work in the field, I would be in the office. I would see what's going on, and then try and contribute to the business in whatever capacity I could. Right since my early days, I would be involved, want to be involved with things. And I guess that kind of attitude uh, helped me in the long run because I could uh, learn a lot uh, uh, beyond uh, guiding. You know, so you have to, uh, I was involved in operations, I was involved in logistics, I was involved in uh, pretty much everything. And you, you learn a lot, you know, you, uh, if there's something which you, which you don't know, you ask people, uh, if that curiosity is there, you people would answer and you would know. Simple things like taxation and finance is a very complicated thing for a lot of people. It was for me as well. I never understood and I always used to say, Oh, all this is rubbish. I don't need to really know about all this. Uh, it's not my um, uh, my thing. Uh, but when you started, you had to understand, you know, what is uh, VAT in those days, or what is a sales tax? Why are why are we being charged uh, uh, a service tax instead of a VAT or instead of something else? So things like those, you know, those questions kept coming up, and you would then seek answers. You would get answers. Uh, so I uh, I was fortunate that wherever I worked, uh, the uh, environment was good for learning. Uh, whenever I would question, no one would uh, not answer me. People would explain me things in depth, uh, and uh, I picked up things. In the long run, uh, I guess that all those things put together really helped me when I had to start uh, a business of my own. The last time we had a chat, uh, you said something, you touched upon something else which you liked and which you probably picked up, which is about key relationships with people. Can you expand on that? Uh, so key relationships with people, yes. So uh, when you start working, you ours is a very people's business. We interact with a lot of people, uh, all kinds of people. Uh, and slowly you develop a reputation of your own, uh, be it the fellow guides, be it clients, be it your vendors, transporters. Uh, I uh, I feel that uh, uh, this job of mountain guiding uh, is uh, is a bit like. Uh, like a job of a doctor, you know, like you have to understand your patient uh, very well. So we, you know, when we look at clients, we uh, we have to understand what they're, uh, uh, you know, what they're capable of, 
what their expectations are uh, what their weaknesses are and then when we go out in the mountain it's 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 great that relationship so a lot of people you would know uh, like to if they go out in the adventure they want to go with same set of guides again once they are comfortable for so those kind of relationships keep building you know when you start working you work with people i have had the uh, i've been i mean lucky to know uh, to meet a lot of people who are now great friends on trips uh, and it keeps growing all the time whenever you go out you meet new people you go for a new experience you do something together you come back and it's that you come back with a new relationship and some of those relationships last really long uh, so have i answered your question <laughs> i think so more than adequately absolutely thank you so much so let's talk about something very uh, controversial and very uh, exotic in a way which is risk management in mountaineering right so i googled you and, and I, i saw that you were a speaker at the meet on risk management uh, organized in march 2020 by the indian mountaineering federation imf not to be confused with the international monetary fund right uh, imf your topic was choosing participants for a commercial trip what are the top reasons apart from uncontrollable objective risks like you know avalanche and deep snow and bad weather why some people don't make it to the summit uh so it's yeah, it's a tough question <laughs> uh of course you know if we are looking at just uh, things which are outside uh, you know which are inside your control i mean a lot uh, can go wrong when which is not in your control like weather and objective dangers but if you look at subjective things and why people don't really make it i think one big reason is that uh, is that some people come unprepared so they don't really know what they are getting into uh sometimes by fluke you can kind of still manage it if everything turned out well the weather was good the conditions were not really tough and you you did it once uh it's 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 important to to be well very well prepared uh, preparation is the key so i guess that is one big uh, differentiator amongst people who make it to the top and people who don't uh the other thing is that uh some people naturally i feel are a bit uh, you know risk averse wherever things get risky uh, uh, they like to kind of get away from it uh, so whereas some people it is a more of an attitude thing some people actually uh, enjoy situations like these you know when it's uh, risky and things are not really going as per plan what to do Uh, you can make out uh, so i think some people it's it's a natural thing if it's not in you it's not in you so that also happens i feel sometimes also i think uh, sometimes it is about the uh, way you approach the the mountain the objective and uh, a lot of times uh, these days i notice that there is a big ego about climbing these big mountains uh that you know you would have heard a lot of people they say i conquered so and so mountain you know so you always conquer yourself you never conquer a mountain so uh, uh so when the ego with you when you go you come very physically prepared you feel you are really strong you go head up to the mountain thinking that 
yeah, you know, I'm I'm strong and I can really like conquer this mountain. That ego also sometimes what happens is it's not it's not mountains are huge. These Himalayan mountains are uh, it's 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 not easy to fight them. Uh, so uh, and sometimes if you go with that kind of an attitude, you tire yourself out before the real real summit. You know because you, every day you're thinking that the harder you work, the better the result would be. so i guess that also happens sometimes so i think it has to be the approach has to be slightly different if you go out there to enjoy whatever the mountains whatever the conditions offer you uh, and and if there isn't that ego uh, you enjoy your climb much better you are also in a much nicer rhythm about uh, about the whole climbing um, and that uh, that sometimes is missing Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, issues related to the operators, to the guides, and all of that, which again you don't have any control on. Uh, mm. That neatly segues to my next question because I recall you repeatedly telling me over the past few months, right, that preparing for a mountain expedition is forty percent physical and sixty percent mental. Although for some strange reason, my mind was the other way around. with more emphasis on physical and less emphasis on mental uh, what exactly do you mean when you say it's 60% mental and what are the specific traits or skills that you would like to see or you're looking for to assess mental strength in a in a client so when i say uh, mental strength uh, so these days what is quite common to notice is that uh, when people come for these climbs or people are doing these kind of sport they are uh, they they train a lot uh, so you have people doing marathons running you know they are doing mountain biking uh, a lot of physical activities uh, which uh, uh, which is which is great you know to have uh, you know that consciousness about being physically fit being physically tough uh but a lot of those people when i see them in the mountains uh it's not you know it it doesn't that kind of fitness doesn't necessarily translate into how well you can climb on a mountain uh for multiple reasons a it is a different sport so you need to uh, uh play it with a different set of rules uh, if i can say that you know so uh mm-hmm. marathon is a sport in itself a mountaineer can never be good at marathon you know so he'll have to train like a marathoner to become a marathoner similarly uh, if uh, if you've been running a lot uh, if you've been doing a lot of uh, you know mountain biking doesn't necessarily mean that you know you will be a good mountaineer so a lot of times these people approach the mountain with the thing that you know okay i've done a lot of physical training and now i'll i'll crack it uh, and when they are not able to crack it uh, you know it 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 dissipates uh, and then it becomes mentally very hard it's a big agony that you know oh i have done so much physically i have prepared so much for this and uh, you know i can't do it uh, so uh, uh, so that's when your mental makeup comes in so uh, i say people have to be mentally strong mentally strong uh, it is uh, it is a very uh, uh, 
I mean, it's 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 hard to first of all hard to for us to assess who's mentally strong and who's not. Uh, and you know, you can only figure it out when you go out climbing with people. That's when you know how when this person can break down. Uh, uh, but when I'm saying about mental fitness, it's about people who who are you know when put into really tough situations, they are still the same. Their personality is still the same. The personality doesn't change. you know and that is more of again it's more of your character it's more of about your your attitude towards things uh, so uh, so so that's very important that when you as a mountaineer you have to uh, you have to you'll you'll end up getting into really tough situations you know it's something when it's really cold the weather is bad you know you are wet inside uh this 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 the you're completely out in the wild with no comfort at all uh so at that time you know it's more of your mind thing which comes into the picture where you say no i'll keep going i'll keep going i'll keep going rather than some people who say no you know i just cannot do this this is too tough for me so so yeah listening to the answer to this question as well as what you said previously and the conversations we've had avilash over the last months and years so it seems to my mind there are three or four things right one is like people who are not faced by simple things right um in terms of bad weather illness lack of good food comforts of normal life or performance of other people in the group that can drag them behind um the second would probably be people who are comfortable in their own self like you said uh, not burden the huge ego and not trying to prove something but people who probably just come to enjoy the wildlife and the journey you know yeah uh third would you said like you said would be people who are patient and calm and relaxed even in really tough situations yeah and of course very importantly would be uh in terms of people who don't give up easily don't turn back at the slightest sign of problems and you know they always find the energy to take that next step rather than say i give up and i had enough so so how do you assess this i mean physical fitness is easier to assess right you can ask someone how long it takes him or her to run 5 kilometers or climb x number of flights of stairs but mental fitness is quite different so i have two questions for one is how do you assess mental fitness for mountaineering so it's hard to assess uh, mental fitness if you haven't climbed together uh, and most of our customers because they are repeat we anyways know what they are capable of what their uh, strengths are what their weaknesses are and that's how we uh, suggest the climbs to them uh, but in case of uh, first timers wanting to do these big climbs with us i think it's very important that uh, you know we speak to them uh, once you speak to them it gives us a fair idea about uh, what this person ideas are in some sense you know so we like to explain uh, what's going to happen on the trip we like to give as much information as we can about the route about the conditions we can uh, face and then uh, expect them to be asking us questions about the climb and that's when we realize if this person is really serious or not or if he has that experience or not we also like to know the experience of the person how what all has he climbed uh, when did he climb it who did he climb it with how far did he reach 
uh, and answers to all that and uh, would give us some sense about this person's capabilities uh, yeah mm. so that's that's how you can uh, understand so so that's about assessing mental fitness but my next question was how does one build mental fitness for mountaineering so uh, to, uh, when you talk about mental fitness again there is a sort of a preparation which is required preparation is the key there is physical preparation and then there is mental preparation you have to visualize the whole climb what you are going to do and then have a strategy as to how you are going to approach you know the tough sections uh, you should have uh, try and understand what all can go wrong if this goes wrong if the weather goes wrong are you prepared for it or not uh, things like that also try and build, gain as much of experience and skill as you can even in that setting wherever you are you can these days climb do our climb in indoor walls uh, skill is important uh, experience if not on big uh, mountains you can't go often on big mountains but yeah do some sort of uh, similar activity trekking out in the outdoors where it can be hot where it can rain where it can get cold things like that we do that do the real stuff also whenever you know if you can get a chance whenever you are out if you are out of your comfort zone don't don't escape such a situation get into it you know it's uh, don't shy away from things like that whenever things are hard you have to deal with it mm-hmm. and i think something else that's probably useful also is to try and like you mentioned once try and visualize the climb and have a strategy yeah yes i did yeah mm-hmm. as in imagine conditions to be really tough for bad weather tough snow ice conditions you know and yes, yeah. and 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 expect it to happen and and have a strategy on how to overcome it i suppose also helps yes. um now of course so sticking to this very strange and you know uh, interesting sport of mountaineering it's a high risk activity right and you're only human and surely the thought of death or serious injury must have crossed your mind on a few occasions before or during a climb you're not an old man i i hesitate to ask you your age uh, but uh, and you have many more productive years to live yes that can be abruptly cut short by a disaster like has happened to many veteran mountaineers as you and i know now this fear can be paralyzing or can make you commit stupid mistakes you have climbed many mountains how have you dealt with that fear so uh a i i have a i share a deep love for mountains there's a lot of love and respect i have for the mountains and i have this very strong uh, conviction that you know i am not going to die in the mountains you know so uh it is a sort of a you know a mutual thing i care a lot for the mountains i love them i know mountains are not going to do anything wrong to me so i don't go to the mountains thinking that okay uh, that that th- thought never crosses in my mind in fact i feel that you know when i am out driving in the roads crossing a street that is more dangerous than being out in the mountains uh, so uh, so that's never a thought but yes you do get into situations which are tough and you get scared there is fear uh, and what do you do then uh, so with time you learn to understand your fears better uh, 
it's it's fear is there is nothing wrong to you know to be, to have some fear you know it's 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 actually a good thing because when you get scared you all your senses are alive you are actually focusing a lot on what you're doing you're completely engrossed in what you're doing and that's what adventure is all about you know you want to get into situations where you can be completely into the thing and not be worried about anything else and and these activities give you that that chance to be able to do that mm-hmm. so uh, so but yes the fear is there what you're doing you know you can fall you can slip you can break a bone uh, it's uh, you got to understand the fear and then you got to manage your fear you have to understand where you go overboard you know if you can manage it or not uh, if it's if it's getting really tough you want to you can stop uh, so uh, yeah i mean mm. so so talking about tough this is a question i think i asked before and you neatly dodged that uh, on many occasions but i had to ask given your extensive track record and the fearsome summits at least in my mind that you have uh, you have got to the top of what is your toughest successful climb to date and more importantly why was it so difficult so uh, so a i don't like to look at like a climb as uh, like a toughest climb or the best climb and things like that there are tough moments on trips there are beautiful moments on a trip and all of it can can happen in the same same trip uh, but uh, still i think to answer your question one of the toughest climbs i guess uh, on satopant a few years ago uh, in you know i think it was 2018 uh, so there was a big snowstorm uh, and we lost a lot of time on the mountain Uh, we had there were uh, three teams uh, trying to climb the mountain at the same time around the same time uh, there was us there was an army team and then there was uh, a swiss team um, and uh, we got a bad snowstorm there were a lot of ropes and all everything the route was set till about the summit camp and all those ropes all the equipment got buried under the snow uh, and uh, and we uh, each team was trying to figure out what to do uh, there wasn't really enough time left uh, on the climb to be able to to do it uh, and every uh, the, because initially when the weather cleared there were avalanche conditions we lost time you know not being able to move when when and eventually uh, uh, we discussed with the swiss team the army team and we thought the only way it is possible to climb the mountain would be if we combine forces if all the groups kind of work together uh, and then try and climb the mountain and uh, uh, so all the sherpas all the support staff we all came together and we uh, set up the route on the mountain again in 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 uh, it's no it was a lot of hard work for everyone uh, also towards the end the weather start turning bad again it start getting very cold and windy uh, and uh, i remember that summit night uh, was uh, was a really cold night very windy very hard for uh, for everyone 
uh, and you have to take a lot of decisions uh, you know on situations like this what time do you leave you know how the weather is going to behave uh, at that time we decided against leaving early we felt that we should leave late uh, a little later uh, uh, so that we are not really uh, exposed to the cold for a long period of time so uh, most groups were leaving around 11 uh, midnight uh, i think we left at around 3 am and that was a good strategy because uh, we 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 were cold but we could somehow uh, uh, kind of bear that cold till the sun start coming out whereas the other teams were actually quite cold exposed to that cold for a long period and uh, uh, when the sun was out the situation did get better and uh, we finally uh, made it to the summit uh, each one of us did and uh, uh, by then we had lost so much of time that the plan was that if we may make it to the summit we got to come back immediately i think the plan was to come back to uh, uh, to summit camp the next day come all the way back down to base camp and in one day all the way back from base camp to gangotri so it was we were like really stretched it as much as we could uh, uh, and i think it was that last opportunity for us we kept waiting kept waiting kept waiting till that last opportunity we climbed the mountain and then rushed back from the mountain so uh, 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 i guess it was great in the sense that we uh, we kept waiting we kept waiting we could have easily also said i as a leader i could have said that you know okay boss it's looking very tough we can't do it you know because uh, it wasn't really seeming that anyone could do it but i think that kind of patience helped us it was really tough but uh, i remember i got it was so cold that i got a frostbite on my cheek you know mm-hmm. till then i i thought the frostbites are only on you know uh, toes and fingers and nose Mm. but it was so windy it was it, i i had a scar here for for a few weeks uh, so that is their yeah, one memory of a tough climb then as i said there are tough moments you know i had uh, uh, early on in my career uh, i used to work as a rock climbing instructor and uh, i had this there was this incident where this we were supposed to set up the hopes on this one uh, rock face where uh, we were doing this activity for kids to come for summer camps and on the way to this rock face we were going through a pine forest uh, in the summers you have these pine needles which are very and it's slippery to walk in the pine forest i don't know what happened but this fellow instructor this uh, who was with me raj he had a slip and he actually fell off the slope fell off the mountain and uh, it was overhanging uh, and when i i could i just heard him and i was on the top of the rock face i he was approaching the rock face i i heard him and when i saw he was coming down i could see where he's going to go because it was all overhanging rock and he uh, that i that scene of when he was falling and you know it is quite vivid in my memory you know it's i could see the whole body come down uh, he had some rope also with him all of it you know coming down and uh, very landed i could not see but i rushed to him and i found him in really bad shape you know he was like completely twisted uh, luckily he, he wasn't bleeding a lot uh, but he was all swollen up and uh, in a very bad situation uh, so i had to rush down uh, uh, send the message that you know the activity is cancelled and we had to uh, uh, call for some more support some more people from camp 
uh, and then uh, we had to bring him back bring bring him to the hospital then you know from one hospital it was a very remote area the hospital didn't have any power there's no x-ray happening uh, uh, things like those and then you kept moving him from one hospital to the other hospital uh, i think it was it took us a, almost uh, maybe 24 hours or more to bring him down till uh, first we got him down to chandigarh from this was in himachal and then from chandigarh to delhi eventually so this was very hard time you know you were taking mm-hmm. a lot of decisions you i had done my uh, you know the wilderness first aid training and i know a few things but you there you know in a situation like this you you have to take a lot of decisions and you don't know if it's uh, you know if it is right if it is wrong uh, fortunately mm. uh, he bedridden for a long period but fortunately he uh, he he could come out of it he had some fractures on his spine uh, you know shoulder dislocation hip dislocation uh, but he survived so very tough moment things like this mm. is is tough so uh, uh, so so let's leave the cold thin air and unforgiving mountains you know and let's get indoors for a moment because i'm curious about how you run the company white magic right because the company seems to have a good reputation as an expedition operator and i know because uh, i have been of course involved in hiking and mountaineering for some years and i've also seen some online comments um, plus you have been rated uh, i think 4.9 on google reviews um by nearly 100 uh, clients so far right uh, which is a fairly reliable sample size and most of the reviewers on google gave five star ratings now from the all from the reviews all of which i enjoyed reading by the way your team members uh, some names which i saw like sanjeev rai and nitesh inder pawan tashi uh, shekhar singh uh, neema sharpa repeatedly come up for special mention for their excellent attitude and skills and for uh, to quote some of the reviewers going for going above and beyond now you are the co-founder and the key man at white magic such employee performance uh, from my experience in corporate and my experience in co-founding and leading my company must be the result of a unique corporate culture my question is what are the elements of the culture at white magic that attracts and equally importantly retains quality talent so as i said our business is like a people's business we uh, deal with a lot of people uh, and when i say people's business i don't want to limit it to uh, the client side of things you know you meet a lot of people uh, a lot of clients uh, you also meet uh, and work with a lot of people at the back end which is your team which is your vendors your service providers and uh, as a business right since our early days we've we've been very clear that we want to uh, you know take care of both sets of people it should not be that you know you take more care for your clients and less care for your your own people if it does happen sometimes that you know oh you start ignoring them but the moment you start doing that we as a business we start getting uncomfortable so we have to uh, we have to take good care of our team now when i say good care it it is it is easier you know it is easier to say that yeah you take good care but uh, i mean in terms of uh, i mean i see that 
businesses i mean it's it's i think one of the downsides of capitalism is that you know the businesses have naturally have to be exploitative in nature to be able to make more profits and you see people uh, you see other businesses uh, how they make money it's always easy to exploit your own people and make a little more than what is possible uh, and i see a lot of businesses they keep doing it all the time uh, and when that happens i don't think people who are there working in that kind of environment uh, they would last for long you know in our business everyone right from the everyone knows it very clearly that we don't exploit anyone uh, because when our team when our guides go out uh, they have to pay the porters the message is very clear that don't ever ever uh, you know cut down on what your what anyone's due is you know not don't cut money don't give as much as you can keep them happy and that uh, everyone understands that very well uh, uh, so uh, so that is i think that is an important thing and that really uh, it's uh, you know we look at our team more as a uh, more as a family uh, we have to take care of each other uh, even during covid uh, i'm i'm quite proud to say that our business we actually were able to uh, take care of each and every individual who works with us be a full time employee or an employee on contract uh, we we looked out for everyone uh, in terms of work culture we are very uh, it's 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 very informal it's very friendly uh, we are all everyone's professional everyone's is his or her own boss uh and we are all we are all very equal uh, uh and everyone knows it you know so it's and i think it is uh, a lot of it emanates from what we do uh, when we go out in the field uh, we uh, each 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 human life is equal you can't say that this one is superior to the other one it's it doesn't work like that you can yourself be the boss of the company you can be uh, you know in a really tough situation it is someone who is way down the ladder somewhere low below who will come and who will who will put his life uh, you know at risk to be able to help you to do something for you so uh, so it does not matter who you are you know there's no no social stigma there is you cannot hide your emotions so it is important for everyone to be uh, be what they are uh, and because all outdoor professionals we 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 all have this kind of uh, uh, characteristic if i can say and we uh, it is it is appreciated and it, this is the culture we like to have in the company that everyone is equal you do what you can do you do your best uh, yeah i mean that's uh, that's how it is remarkable now many people in corporate life avilash uh, feel stuck and stagnant after say 15 20 years of working by the time they hit their mid to late 30s many feel they have stopped learning you know and the work isn't as exciting but of course they have to pay the bills right so they continue to work delivering average performance i call this the midlife career crisis and i've seen it so many times among my former students and mentees and clients and colleagues you have been in mountaineering for close to 25 years but it appears to me that you've escaped this crisis of stagnation you're doing quite well you also seem to enjoy your job 
granted, of course, that you own the business, so the rewards are slightly different. But a quarter century in the same field is a quite a long time. What are the key reasons for your longevity and satisfaction? So A is my uh, love and passion for what I do. Uh, so that helps. You know, when things are hard, uh, you you know, if you like something a lot, you it actually helps you get out of tough situations. You know, it's good. So uh, so that is uh, I think that has helped me sustain this. That's the most important uh, aspect I think. Other than that, uh, I. i've got a lot of support from my wife uh, so that also i think is uh, is important uh, and uh, so she's uh, she's she's also she had a she's from the corporate sector she had a good job uh, and very early on in our relationship uh, you know we i discussed about my career and her career and i think it was very clear to both of us that uh, if at all someone has to change a career you know it will be her you know i could not look for an alternate career i i'll i'll, I'll be a miserable at any other job you know uh, so uh, but she kind of understood all that uh, she accepted it and she she did uh, make sacrifices uh, at her end whenever it was required which is really commendable you know you had have to have that support to uh, to to be able to do uh, these do enough for your own career you know so uh, so i had that support a complete unconditional support from my wife all all throughout uh, other than that uh, i think i was also uh, a bit lucky uh, in terms of uh, the timing uh, when i say timing about timing about uh, of the uh, this whole adventure travel space was growing when i got into this it was uh, those days very few people would do all this and uh, uh it really boomed uh, in the last i would say 10 to 20 years and uh, so i which meant i had a lot of opportunities i could do this i could do rock climbing i could do river rafting i could do mountaineering uh, and still uh, uh, earn a decent uh, living for myself you know uh, uh, so uh, now i feel that this space is also getting saturated so i see a lot of boys who uh, you know set up businesses now and it's not so easy to survive in the current environment because there is uh, it's quite saturated there's cutthroat competition so so in that sense i think i was lucky right so what what are the things you love about your job avilash as co-founder of uh white magic and of course as mountaineering expedition leader and of course because every job has its pros and cons right is the good the bad and the ugly what are the three activities related to your job that you would rather do without uh so as a co-founder i think uh it's uh, i mean it's a great job you know it's a great thing to to you know to be the founder of the business co-founder of the business you know you can call all the shots and do uh, you know whatever uh, i guess the the good thing is that you uh, you have a you i mean you have you are it's your job to shape the future of the business and you have to constantly uh, 
do that i think that is that is a nice thing uh, and then uh, you have a lot of say in how you want to shape the future you know you have these discussions and you are constantly doing that that's a good part also uh, you know it is uh, it's a very dynamic sort of a thing where you know you wake up every morning and you have like okay there's this problem there's this problem and then there's this problem and then you keep solving those problems and you know it you don't even realize you know how how the whole day is gone so it is i mean if you are have a set job to do it is i would find that boring i kind of like it when you know it is you are constantly on your toes so that's nice uh, then uh, yes you have to keep your team motivated you have to uh, you know uh, you have to lead by example in tough situations which is which i feel is important uh, so these are all you know good things as a co-founder as a mountaineer yes there are a lot of good things that's actually the better part of my job you know to be mm-hmm. mountain guiding it's it's most exciting part of my job uh, i love to work with people uh, and when i say people it's all kinds of people i Uh, our clients it's uh, people at the back end it's you know the porters it's the cooks it's the assist the support team it's uh, you meet a lot of interesting people you know it is the drivers and you get to an opportunity to, to travel in such remote areas and experience you know such uh, 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 not only the natural uh, beauty of the places but also the the kind of people who live there you know it is and then interact with them understand how they look at things uh, at the same time at the clients you know they have you have people who come from like such far away corners of the world and you know which i would have never i mean as some names you don't know where you know these where these people come from they talk about their places it seems that you get an off chance to actually uh, travel that part of the world when you listen to their stories so uh, so that i love i really like uh, and then as a job as as a job of a guide uh, it becomes your job to uh, you know make that bridge between two ends of the spectrum you know the people who are the clients and the people who are at the back end and uh, you are the mediator you have to ensure that everyone is having a good time everyone is enjoying uh, so that is that is great uh, so other than that i think you your question was about what what you would rather do without uh, okay. <laughs> so so yeah as a i mean as a co-founder it is uh, i think maybe what i said was the good part sometimes also mm. becomes not so good part is that you know you it is just constant it never stops you know this problem solving it's always there and you know sometimes you need a break uh, you want to like switch off but it's it's hard to switch off you know because uh, uh, you were expected to be on top of you know everything all the time mm. uh, so uh, other than that i think it's more or less uh, it's 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 okay as a mountain guide yeah, i think the tough part is that you know you especially now since i have uh, a son who's growing uh, you uh, uh, you know when you go out on expeditions you uh, also we have busy season so we keep traveling a lot during uh, during the season so that you miss out on some family time uh, sometimes and uh, uh, i understand it's part of our job and a lot of other jobs also people stay far away from their families uh, here, here it is uh, you know we are completely disconnected we don't know what's going on if at all uh, uh, you know they need help uh, 
you're just not accessible uh, things like these so that is like a very delicate balance you know the work uh, and uh, family life balance uh, I, as i said earlier my i've been lucky to have a very supportive wife uh, who understands what the nature of my job and she doesn't uh, expect a lot in you know uh, at times like this when you know in family situations if i'm required she takes care of uh, things so avilash you and white magic have come a long way right in the past few years so the natural next question is what is next for white magic and what are your personal goals here uh so uh yes i mean there's a lot of planning that keeps happening for the future <laughs> it's uh, i think it's uh, we need some focus there uh, uh, there is definitely you know there is uh, the drive for us always has been that you know you do uh, stuff which is uh, you know authentic which is bold that kind of adventure and not just you know the touristy kind of adventure uh, so we are anyway we are, covid was a big disruption it kind of disrupted our ideas at that time and uh, now i think in future you will see uh, quite a few new trips coming trips which are really uh, far away from the madding crowds if you could say uh so things like those you know we want to do more of uh exploratory stuff uh other than that we are also doing uh, some sort of experiments with the whole business structure you know somehow trying to shift more towards an employee owned kind of a business model uh so let's see how far we uh, get with that as far as my personal goals are concerned uh, i don't really have any major personal goals you know i think what's important for me now is to uh, uh, i mean i live in dehradun uh, we uh, i uh, our son goes to a school here in dehradun and uh, maybe later on i want to i would probably like to move a little higher in the hills uh, i would personally like to do some explorations uh, for myself uh, uh, you know travel interesting i i like the part about you exploring uh, other adventures which are bold and authentic and not just touristy you know it's always nice to get off the beaten track and we where few people have been before something unique tough yet exciting so looking forward to getting updates uh, from you uh, on on those on those lines sure. um of course uh, we have now come uh, regretfully to the end of this very fascinating discussion uh, what are your three mantras for success in life oh i mean that's a very tough question you know everyone has their own <laughs> definition about uh, success you know and its success i think is a very relative thing uh, you have to uh, find your own success uh, have your own definition for success and then find find it uh i think yeah, what i would rather say is that you know some learnings uh, from you know my whatever little i've done uh, i can you know so uh, uh, as you requested you know so uh, uh so i like to relate uh, when you are climbing you there's a lot of thinking which goes keeps going on you know so and uh, whenever i am out in the mountains i try and uh, uh, get into this sort of a uh, meditative zone 
uh, you know which i really enjoy a lot uh, you know and at that time you you i mean there are lot all kinds of you know there is i mean there is a lot of philosophy in the mountains you know which is why i think in early days the sages would you know the rishis sadhus would go head up to the himalayas because you know you that's where the wisdom is and when we we i mean when we are lucky to get to travel to these mountains as you know as a job we get to do that uh, and uh, so uh, it becomes a little philosophical a lot of things get into your head and then you kind of correlate it to your actual life and i i like to take those learnings from the mountains and then kind of apply them to my normal life uh, uh you know uh, it's hard it's it's easy, mm. easy to say that yeah but it's it's it somehow it 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 has helped me a lot you know so i uh, one is that you know a lot of times i see that people are uh, you know complaining about things they don't have you know uh, and uh, it is uh, we all in the mountains when we are climbing up you you i see clients who keep asking how far how far they are looking up and they are not getting there and they are they are always getting bogged down by this uh, thing of getting to the top mm-hmm. uh, and at that time we tell them you know just look down look see how far you come and if they ever look down then that's when they get surprised you feel happy about how far you have come so in our day to day lives also i it's i think it's good to look back and see how far you have come i think most people have are doing way better than what they used to be you know and we have to be we have to find satisfaction there uh, is uh, one take away yeah. then uh, i i think it's really important to uh, have some sort of a uh, rhythm about things you know in mountaineering i know it helps a lot you know if you are in a rhythm you enjoy your climb uh, it's it's not doesn't it's not so strenuous you don't get as exhausted the whole experience is much nicer uh, similarly in life also sometimes uh, i mean i it's hard for me also it's again as i said easier said than done uh, and one of my i mean like you said what's your personal goal you are trying to find a rhythm you know it's important to find a rhythm to your life you know what you're doing your own identity sometimes we are trying to do too many things you know so it's it's better to do less but do uh, something which is uh, which is in rhythm which you can enjoy uh yeah so that's that's about it <laughs> mm. so so if i was to summarize don't look and don't look up and get nervous instead look down and be grateful and happy at how far you've come uh yes second would be you know focus on the next step forget everything else and and thirdly uh lastly but not the least would be try and find your own rhythm and enjoy it so thank you uh, avilash uh, for this uh, wonderful interview i know it's been a struggle uh, trying to pin you down and to get the right times uh, over the last couple of months uh, because you have multiple responsibilities as expedition leader business owner family man you are away in the mountains uh, trekking and mountaineering so but finally i'm delighted that i was able to you know uh, piece together this uh, insightful and powerful interview because it's the first time i'm interviewing a mountaineer or 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 or, or, a, or a sportsman to, to for in other words and the unique perspectives that someone like that brings uh, to life career wellness mental and physical wellness is quite interesting which we've already talked about during this podcast so thank you for making the time and you know going through the questions thank and you. 
and, and I trade in the script uh, many, many times. And uh, I look forward to seeing you on the trail uh, in the next few months. Thank you so much, Vinod. Thank you. Pleasure. This is brought to you by The Real Finance Mentor. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you found it insightful and inspirational. If you did enjoy this episode, please drop us a review and spread the word. And be sure to check out more exclusive content on therealfinancementor.com and my LinkedIn profile, which is Binod Shankar CFA. Let's keep in touch. Just add your name to the mailing list on therealfinancementor.com and we'll tell you about new episodes, plus book reviews, upcoming events and blogs. Till the next time, onwards and upwards.